Welcome. This is the Mouthpiece Podcast. Here solo today. I think Jade's a little under the weather. Are you a little under the weather, babe? Yeah. She's a little under the weather. But I, I'm right solo today, and we're going to talk about Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. And the event itself, which was fully sold out in Florida. And uh, it was the right event to be sold out in. Like, for just th- the way everything played out, the reactions needed for this fight to be sold out. I don't believe this is the same event if it's not sold out. It just it this is the this is what showed you what crowds were missing. This event that's what this event showed. It showed what you're missing from the crowd, what the crowd was bringing to the table. Now I think we avoided some big big, big uh, you know horrible judge, judges because uh, in the prelims was horrible. The judges were all over the place. So luckily the main card didn't need any of the judges to talk, which was I think was a very fortunate break that only people were talking about how bad the judging was in the prelims. But let's get to the main event, right? Let's get to the best fight of the weekend, right? Or I don't know best fight, but the biggest fight, right? The biggest uh, storylines coming out of it, biggest storylines going into it. And that would be Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. And uh, Masvidal, fan favorite, uh, kind of broke out later in his career, was a win-some, lose-some fighter, could never get on a really a steady run to really make a run at the title. And then he hit this hot streak where he was having highlight reel knockouts, and he, everyone was behind him, and he just got that push. He finally got it. It was like around the age of thirty-four to thirty-five years old. So much for so much so that he had a fight with Nate Diaz, where they made their own belt for him. Right? They made the BMF belt for that fight. So Masvidal was considered a star, right, in the UFC. He's top five star in the UFC. Maybe top three. Maybe top two. Honestly, right behind Conor McGregor. And Usman, right, he's had a, he had a complete different uh, career in the UFC as he is a guy that's run through everyone and it's been effective the whole time. Never really questionable whether it's effective. Now, is he a fan favorite? No. Uh, is he as entertaining and that the highlight reels as Masvidal up until this point? No, he hasn't. Now, is he entertaining? I think so. I think he's entertaining. He's actually had some pretty decent fights. But he, he does he does so much that he's able to find the weakness of the fighter. So usually that leads to... Not that entertaining of a fight for like the general audience because he's going to take that guy's weakness and he's just going to exploit it. And with Masvidal, I thought going into the first fight, right? Well, going into the first fight, Masvidal you know, doesn't have a camp, right? And Usman did what Masvidal has struggled with the whole time, right? Losing cage control. And, Masvidal, and Usman took him to the fence. He took him down. And he had just exploited what Masvidal was, wasn't great at. He's never been good at. Going into this fight, I thought he was going to exploit the same thing. Because I knew that he, what Usman does is he's always going to exploit your weakness. He's never going to get tricked into something that he doesn't want to do or something that you want him to do. He's just going to do what he feels is the best way to win the fight. And the best way to win this fight, me thinking going in, was to do the exact same thing. Put Masvidal against the fence, get the takedown, whatever. But I did think that Usman was going to outstrike him. I did because he was improving. And Masvidal is kind of an overrated striker. Now, he's, he's a good striker, right, if he's allowed to be put in the right positions. But if you take that away from him or if you uh, if you have, like, a takedown, a, a good takedown, you have a – you're looking to grapple, you're looking to drag him down on the ground, Masvidal allows it because he oversteps his shots. A lot of the guys he knocked out, right, barring Ben Askren, right, uh, till – uh, being down Diaz is because they look to strike. So when he falls in over his shots, they're not looking to hold him. They're still looking to strike. So when he falls in, it's forgiven. It's not he's not made pay for it. But against Usman, he's made to pay for it. 
So that kept him already on his back toe, right? But defensively, Masvidal makes a lot of mistakes. He stays straight. He stays super straight. He doesn't really have head movement. He doesn't really have a good defensive thing. He just kind of, he, he gets popped. But he's just so explosive and he's very versatile with his striking. He gets you with either hand and he's quick to with the, from a punch to a kick and his combinations. Those things, it, he, I told you, he hit the right run against the right opponents. Uh, especially because Ben Askren is like, his takedowns are usually from the upper body, right? He usually got to get a hold of you and drag you down. So he would have to walk through shots, and he wasn't going to walk through that major knee that Jorge Masvidal landed. So he had her perfect strike. He fought uh, Till, who's a one-punch guy, right? He has one punch. He fought uh, Nate Diaz, who isn't a 170-pound uh, fighter. He fought Ben Askren. Um, he, he fought – That's this is what I'm saying. This is the – this is the guys he fought. It was just kind of like the right place at the right time. When he fought Carl Usman, going this one, Usman had been improving. Usman always improves. He's always improving his skill set, his ability, and what he brings to the table. And from the last fight when he fought Burns, he was just a better boxer. He was just an all around better boxer, and he had a he had a hard jab that which he even knocked out Burns. And we I don't think they talked about that enough going into this fight. And I didn't even talk about it enough going into this fight that the power he showed against Burns, he knocked him out with the jab. So going into this fight, I knew that Usman would take out. Do exactly what Masvidal was going to struggle with. Usman even out even outthought me on this one though, because he realized that Masvidal was just going to work wrestling, 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 and he was just going to say I could beat him in the stand up. I don't even really need to change that up or work on that or uh, expect something new from that. I just need to prepare for the wrestling. And Usman used that as a decoy for a stand up. And what does he do? He sets up an overhand right. With a check left hook. Then he looks like he's going low for the takedown, which Masvidal was said, recently said today. And he hits him with the overhand right and sleeps Masvidal. And it, you know the Masvidal say he didn't have any power, which isn't true. I tell you, with the, he knocked the guy out with the jab. He definitely has power. But it's also t- timing and technique, right? And if Masvidal is going to s- s- put his head back, which he always does because he's kind of a stiff upper body, with his chin all the way up, it's not going to take much to knock him out. It's not going to take much to knock him out at all. So... Whether Usman has power or not, right, the technique can override the power if you land pinpoint and the guy's giving you a defensive flaw to not be ready to take a punch. And that's what Masvidal did. And he got knocked out for it. And I think that when I was talking about Masvidal's career, he is what his whole career is. He's not is what that little short run was. He is what his whole career is. And that's what Masvidal has been. He's been a win some, lose some fighter. Usman has been an elite fighter and he's only gotten better. He's gonna, he's not a guy that to me I don't see anyone really that could beat him. Maybe besides Leon Edwards, right? Leon Edwards is defensively uh, very good. He, he 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 can grapple as well. He looks for takedowns. So he sometimes like the guys say like I'm gonna defend the takedown, and that's all well and good, right? Like I good defend the takedown, but sometimes when you don't have an offensive takedown yourself, like you don't have the offense to get a takedown, right? You can't grapple. You don't have a double leg. You don't have a single leg. You don't have none of the techniques to get him down. Even though you're defending it, it's like if you're defending, like you're saying, like I could, I can defend these punches, right? But you don't have an offense going back. It doesn't matter though because the guy's just constantly throwing it at you. He's kind of, you know, the guy's constantly throwing punches at you. You're not punching back. Okay, I'm defending, I'm defending, but the guy's not worried about anything coming back. It opens up his whole game, right? And I thought that Masvidal didn't really offer anything else to this thing. He brought the same thing he always did, and it was just looking for, you know, really a one big shot. And it was at the point where Kamar Usman was like, I can do anything. I can shoot anything. It's just, I'm willing to do anything. He even got wild. Like, Kamar Usman got wild with his right hands. And he was never made to pay. Because it's not Masvidal's game. 
That wasn't Masvidal's game. Masvidal's game has got to explode. Straightforward fighter, he got to explode when he wants to explode. Not when you give him the opportunity, when he wants to explode. He's not really a counterpuncher. He's just exposed when he wants to explode. Well, Usman saw that there wasn't anything coming back at him. And once that happened, it was over. I don't know who could beat Usman. Like I said, I think Leon Edwards is the best foe for him. Uh, they're going to bring Kobe Covington in, right, to fight him. That was a good fight, the first one. I think Usman's probably double, like, Two times better than he was last time going to that fight. I don't think that Kobe Covington is getting better. I think Kobe Covington is, is where he is. He's a very good fighter. But I just think Usman's a whole nother level. And something about that 170 in the UFC where you got... He goes from Matt Hughes to George St. Pierre, right? To uh, Tyron Woodley. Because I think Tyron Woodley had a pretty good underrated run. To now uh, Usman, right? And just something about that weight class where they get a guy and he just... He stays champ for a while. And Usman is one of those guys is just he's going to be a legend in this sport uh, for however long he goes. And the interesting thing about it is he's going to run out of opponents, right? Because he's already getting into a rematch with uh, Kobe Covington. And then what do you wait on? Leon Edwards, if he beats Nate, maybe Nick Diaz now. And uh, Chimiov, Cosmo uh, Chimiov, right? To fight him, right? You're just waiting. But the thing is, in UFC, because the weight classes are so separated, so divided, there's not really mega fights. They, they usually, like in boxing, if a guy dominates a weight class this much, he would go to the next weight class, right, and fight that guy and fight that champion and really challenge himself and really get those big paydays. But because the UFC doesn't really want to pay massive amount of money for big paydays, and the weight classes are so far divided from each other, that these really possibilities aren't really realistic. So where does he go from here? And continue to win, right? It's always going to help his career and help his legacy, but how much? It doesn't... He's, you know, he's going to become a champ champ. If he doesn't become a champ champ, right, which is like seems to be like the rare air that everybody wants. Where does he go from here? What's the super fight? What's the thing that makes sense for him to keep going? Now, I know everybody's going to get paid and everything like that. But at what point if the payments are not increasing, right, because people will lose interest if you're just dominating the, the same level of competition. Like if he beats Kobe again, right, and then he gets uh I don't know, just uh, Leon Edwards, and he beats him. There's there's not really a lot else for him to go. He would have to go and get create people's, get people's interest by moving up in weight or even moving down in weight, you know, all those things. And I, I just don't see that for him. So it's interesting how long this goes for Usman because it's really what point to get, get to a point where he gets stagnant. And that's kind of the, the way the UFC model is. It doesn't really allow for super fights like that. So we're going to see where he goes, but he's just a great fighter. And it's exactly what I thought would happen, but it was in a different way. He took what he does. He always goes after your weakness. And Masvidal was so overthinking the wrestling at this point that the, the stand-up had become his weakness. And Usman, can, he's, he's so well-rounded that he's going to find your weakness. And his boxing now is like, it's something to take serious. Now, does he still lunge with shots at like, you're like, why is he doing this and that? And does he still put his head down in combinations? Yes, he does. But no one's really made it, been able to make him pay for that. And it's it's not like it's easy to make him pay for that. Let's go to the next fight on the card. And he had Zhang Wei Li versus Rose Namajunas. And going into this fight, you know, Rose has said some, I would say some ignorant things uh, about Zhang Wei Li. And she talked about the country as a whole instead of talking about Zhang as a person. And I thought that was unfortunate, especially for Rose, because she, she seems to be like a really likable person. But that part, I you know, it just wasn't a good look. And I, I, th- I think she realized it didn't come off well. And I thought that when her, at her post-fight interview that it kind of showed you that, like, people's intentions are good even though they're ignorant. 
And that's what Rose Numbers was. She was ignorant leading into this fight. But I think that, like, in her heart, she thought she was right. And I think her intentions were right. But she was just ignorant, which is it's, it's interesting. It's, like, you know, a weird thing to look at. But let's get, let's get to the fight here. Zhang Weili was a, is a dominant force, right? Scary fighter to face, hard-hitting, solid, uh, just... It feels like you're, you're probably fighting like a brick wall, right? And Rose Domajunas is all technique, all skill, all timing. And it was funny that I was talking about this fight. I thought Rose would win. I thought Rose, if she wouldn't have got slammed in her head, was the best fighter in that weight class and would have never lost the belt. And then I thought when she got slammed in her head, it made her question herself, question her ability, all these things, right? And it allowed Zeng to come in, who's you know a great fighter and look good and then fight a fight of the year candidate but she fought a five year candidate against a person that rose beat twice and stopped so i thought going this fight that rose to me was the better fighter she was better technically but would she be able to survive zang's big shots would she be able to pull through when the big exchanges happen well it never got to them because Rose's timing and her technique was just too much for Zhang to even survive the first round. The first shot. It was a swift left head kick. Not much on it. Like, it was a lot on it, but it was more about the timing and the technique of it. And Zhang not moving her head and being hitting her right between, right between her arms, right between her guard, and just ending the fight instantly. And this is what happens when your skill and technique is there. You're going to get opportunities like that. That some people would have to force, and you're just throwing it out effortlessly, right? And she's just throwing it out as part of a combination. And the fight was over instantly. She hit her, put her to sleep. Rose is the champion. I don't see anyone beating her at 115 pounds. If the uh, John Jancheck, if they're going to bring her back, Rose already kind of has John Jancheck's number. So what do you do with her? I mean, you just, of course, she's going to defend the belt, keep defending the belt, but. She really, you know, without that game slammer, she would be the dominant champion that she should have been. She's an elite fighter, and it all came together on that performance. And um, I thought that, you know, going into it, I was, I was kind of disappointed what you know things she had said, but uh, fighting wise, I, I never questioned her, and she proved she proved me right. And I just think that 115, she, she's, I don't see anyone that could beat her right now. Looking at the landscape, now let's go to the one where the UFC. It was trying to get creative with you, right? And it kind of worked in a way, right? I seen people picking Jessica Andrade to win this fight. And it made no sense, right? Because Jessica Andrade just got beat by Rose. And she got beat by uh, Whaley as well. And Andrade's whole thing was her power and her strength, right? It wasn't her skill. It wasn't her ability. So her moving up in weight would be no benefit to her. Because everyone would be stronger. And everyone would be able to take a shot better. So everything, her assets were all dropping down to go into this fight. And I thought Valentin Shevchenko, I hate when these names are complicated so much, it got me all stuttery. But I thought Valentina was going to light her up from a distance, right? That she was going to make her walk into shots and, and be precise to the thing. She didn't even have to do that. Because of Andrade's strategy of like putting her against the fence and all that, Valentina welcomed that. And she took her down because she knew she had the strength advantage. She knew that she was what Andrade was bringing, she could beat her at that. So she didn't even have to look for these precision shots. She got to the ground. She dominated her. And the thing is, Valentina, she gives you no space on the ground. Like her hips are so heavy on the ground. And she's so tight in her space. And once she did that, it was over. It was the beginning of the end. And Andrade, I don't know how people thought that she was going to have a chance in this fight. 
She had no chance in this fight. And Valentina, once again, looked dominant. And she's going to have a similar problem, what I'm talking about in the UFC, because they don't want to pay for mega fights. And Dana White says he doesn't even see the Nunez, Nunez fight happening, which makes no sense, right? Even though she's 0-2 against Nunez <clears throat> in pretty interesting fights, she's dominated her weight class. Nunez is dominating her two weight classes. This fight only makes sense. There's nowhere else for them to go. And that's a big payday for both of them. But if the UFC doesn't want to pay that payday and it doesn't want to lose two people that they can put on a main event or on a co-main event going forward and waste them on together, well, then this is what we're going to get. There's no one left for her to fight. There's no one left for Nunez to fight. They have to fight each other. And if we don't get that, you know what I mean? I understand the UFC has a business model. I understand. I get what they're going for. But sometimes... It's, it's going to get frustrating as we keep running into these things where you have these matchups that everybody wants to see. Everyone's interested in seeing, especially, a, you know, a woman fight that I think that can grab, be the fight of the year, could be the matchup of the year. Because, see, a lot of times women fights are the fight of the year, but they're never like the most hyped up match of the year. Not since like Rousey, right? So if you have that chance to do that, I think it's a big moment. They should capitalize on it. But to see the business model <clears throat> might not work that way. That might not be in the UFC's plans. All right, let's go to the boxing card. You had first of all, boxing card was great. <coughs> Sorry, the boxing card was just great. It was a great matchups, interesting from top to bottom, from prelims to main card. Just over, just liked it a lot. Good matchups. Top rank is they kind of like reuse their guys, right? They kind of have like the. It's almost turning into like with the PBC, with Top Rank, with Matchroom. It's like a bunch of mini UFCs almost in a way because they have to fight within their own what they have, right? So they fight within their own roster. So even the guys that lose, you kind of see them again and again. They get recycled. And I just thought the matches were interesting. They were well done. Uh, very close fights. Very some some wars. Uh, we could talk on Berlanga who didn't get his first round stoppage, but you know as far as the growth of him. Great fight, and he hits so hard, and you always expect him to knock the guy out. It's always interesting when he fights. Every round, you're never, you're never like bored, or you're never uh, losing, you never lose interest, or you're never like dozing off or looking at your phone. You're kind of just always in excitement. He has that uh, with him, and that that right there is a rare thing to have. And I think Top Rank knows they have that, and they should take their time with him because he sells right now without big matchups. He's if you can sell with. Lower level opponents, just because of the excitement of what this guy can do and the power in his hands, they should keep building him because I think he, there is some skill there. I think that people want to say he's overhyped. Maybe he's overhyped because they, people are expecting him to knock everybody out in the first round. That's not going to happen. So, of course, maybe he is overhyped a little bit. But I don't think he's unskilled. I don't think he's uh, some joke or anything like that. I think he has skills. And I think as he goes on and he gets more rounds and fights tougher opponents, they're going to keep, the, they will progress into a better fighter. Now, was he going to be the highest level guy? I don't know. Time will tell. I don't think so. But he hit so hard that, I don't know, he could change the landscape of any fight as long as he could stay at that weight class. Now, let's get to main event, Emmanuel Navarrete versus Christopher Diaz. Now, Christopher Diaz has never beat an elite opponent. Never beat a good opponent. He's always fallen short. But he's, there's some talent there. Now, Emmanuel Navarrete has beaten everyone they put in front of him, but some of the opposition has been questionable. And sometimes he, he has questionable performances. He always gets a, like an impressive stoppage, but then he looks shaky in some rounds. So you're not really 100% sure what you're seeing. How good is he? Well, in this fight, there was points that he looked dominant. There was points he looked like maybe he was getting pushed a little bit. There was points where he looked like maybe he was even, you know, 
competitive and struggling a little bit for Diaz. Now, I don't think he was struggling that much. I think because of his style and the off balance like that, that sometimes he looks like, oh, maybe he got hit, maybe he fell back. But I just think, I don't think he struggled that much. But I still, like I said, there's still questions about him. It's still going to be hard. As I was saying going into this fight, it's going to be hard to see what he is until he fights higher level opposition. And once he fights opposition, then we'll kind of know what he is because it's kind of hard to see, honestly. I think that this fight was, to me, the last builder for him and he needs to fight bigger names now. And I think that the top rank is going to have to take that chance. They got all the tune-ups they get from him, all the builders for him and everything. He's there now. And he, he's got amazing ability. Like the things he could do off balance, the um, levels of distance where he can, sh- the slight shifts of being in and out and all those things, they were all up there. And the defense was there. There's things there, but you can see that he's off balance. So it's curious, like if he fights you first Stevenson, right? Who's so balanced and so technically very good. Would he just expose Navarrete? Because that could happen too. Or is Navarrete way better than we're even we're seeing? Is his power way more effective that he would look uh, even better than we can imagine? I'm saying it's hard to put on paper what Navarrete is with the opposition. Christopher Diaz, he got the job done. He stopped him. No one stopped him before. He dominated my points. But at points, it was competitive. It may not have been close to fight, but it was a competitive fight. Christopher Diaz is all hard. So... We have to see now right there versus something for real. And you have to be able to measure it better because he's a hard guy to scale. He really is. He's a hard guy to scale compared to other fighters. He really is. Yeah, I don't know how bad those being off balance will get exposed against a guy that's like Shakur Stevenson, who's technically just so damn good and able to take advantage of those things. Because Christopher Diaz couldn't take advantage of those things. But could he not take advantage of it because Navarrete could punch off balance? And if he jumped in, Navarrete was catching him with some good power. That's what I'm saying. It's like it was it was an interesting fight because you wanted to see it, but you still left with questions. And that's all right. It makes it more interesting. Now putting up right there in there with a herring. Um, you got uh, Valdez. You even have Burchell. I would love to see him fight Burchell. I think that's like an instant war, an instant classic. There's fights there to make for him. And I just, we're not going to know for sure. Everyone's going to have an opinion on him. We're not going to know for sure. And I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure how he's going to look against a real... Real, real good guy. If not even an elite guy. So let's get to this week, my favorite segment. And that's fake money, real bets. And we'll get some results in. So I went Valentina. I went all in on her. She was minus 440. I didn't think that was even a big enough odds for her. And I went 600K on her. I, I went entered this week with 749K. I went 600K on Valentina. That won me 136K. I also won 100K on Rose Namajunas because I don't believe you can find Rose as an underdog. Much and if me knowing her skill level, her being an underdog, I had to take that chance. Even though I thought that was going to be a good close fight, I thought Rose was superior. And and if we went down the measurements of it, she was superior in a lot of things besides power. And she got the knockout because of technique, technique could make up for power. So I put a hundred k on her at plus one sixty. That got me hundred sixty k. I also parlayed Valentina, Rose, Usman, Berlanga, and Navarrete. I did not think these were tough picks. I thought that was that was at plus three fifty one. The biggest like, you know, Rose and Usman, I guess were my biggest gambles there. Uh, I bet forty nine k on that. That won me one hundred seventy two k. So I left this week, right at over a million dollars. I'm mean, I think I'm one point two. I didn't I don't have the total right here, but I'm like one point two. 
Now, I know you're saying, oh, you started out at a million, so you're only 200 grand over. But let's look at it if I started at 349, because that's where I got down to. So 349 and 1.2, that's pretty damn amazing. If you're betting $1,000 following my things, you're at, well, you're at 1,200. So that's not that great. Like, I understand that. That's not that impressive. But it's a free 200 that you didn't have. So I, I think I you know. I think I'm on a run here too. And I, since I've been stopped diverse, uh, diversifying my bets, which is a mistake. You do that with stock. You don't do that with bets. I'm on a run here. And I think that it's going to keep going. And I'm going to get to 2 million. And then we're going to talk about me being a superior better. And it's going to turn into real money. Don't tell Jade that. She's not on this one. But don't tell her. Because this is, if I figured this damn system out with the fighting, right? And MMA, they haven't caught up with the betters. The betting has not caught up MMA. Okay, whoever's doing the setting of the numbers in the lines, it has not caught up yet with the sport. I'm feeling good. We got some interesting fights this week. I'll be here to break it down. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been the Mouthpiece Podcast.